Hey everyone, this is the Nips and Sips podcast featuring Dr. Brandon Cruz and Dr. Jeremy Boyd, that's me. Today we're going to be talking about IT band syndrome, which um, treatment-wise and evaluation-wise kind of comes into uh, a little controversy. Uh, We see uh, some clinicians kind of treating um, like they they have been for many, many years, uh, stretching the IT bands, you know, grasping the IT bands. Uh, So we're going to talk about it. Um, but before I get into too much into depth, let me pass off to my partner in crime, Brandon. How's it going? It's going well over here. Thanks, dear. Uh, yeah, ready to talk about some of our past experiences with IT band, how we used to treat it, and then kind of our evolution, like we normally do, uh, and to much greater success in treating um, this stubborn, uh, stubborn diagnosis. Yeah. So. Um... That's uh, that's what we'll be doing. But first, uh, you got any sips? I'm still uh, drinking my uh, from my last the last podcast here. But I'll go into just a quick uh, name of it. It's a Sublime Ghosty from uh, Eclipse Brewing, as referred to by my uh, new hire Justin. Uh, so thank you for that again. It's uh, it's delicious. So I'm having another round of it. What about you there, Brandon? Well, first of all, congrats on the new hire. When when do you start? Uh, as soon as the lovely state of New Jersey licensed him, so God can right. only know how long that's going to take. Um, we're hoping for September as uh, nice. the students roll back in. Perfect. Uh, well, congrats. Growing is always exciting. Scary, but exciting. So yeah, definitely. Good job. Congrats to you and Trifecta over there. Thank you. Um, I am rocking with my Irish coffee uh, that I had from the last one. I, I just loaded up on um, some Buchanan's in there. As I was treating some patients this morning, so uh, this is the only two I had, so I just threw some uh, some Buchanan's into my coffee as we started doing these podcasts this morning. Uh, that's 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 a way to start off your day. No better way from than Irish coffee. But uh, let's talk about some. I guess we kind of get things going with um, how we were in the past. Um, I'll kind of get how I was when I first started uh, when it came to IT band syndrome. Uh, I was taught a lot of it, the, you know, when the IT band syndrome, you know, you had, you know, pain with palpation down the whole track of it, especially around, obviously, the uh, greater troke, um, all the way down to the lateral aspect of the knee, um, you know, the little bumps along the road there, that was good enough for almost a diagnosis, and, um, so I was, I would always stretch it. I did the you know, pretty much cross body adduction stretch, you know, the standing one. You reach down the, to the toes. Yep. Yep. The, uh, Ober's test position stretch. Um, that was the main kind of thing. I would go in, start trying to, uh, I'd help clients to foam roll it or they would foam roll it in the clinic. I would be like a, you know, a, a terrorist and just kind of, go in, really start rubbing it down, you know, using forearms, all kinds of things to kind of uh, break up what I thought was adhesions or bumps um, along the IT band track. Um, that was pretty much my go-to. And then pretty much some general strengthening, those sort of things. But upon looking at things now, look at it, did I really do that much strengthening or at least appropriate strengthening. No, I probably actually spent most of my time, you know, stretching the IT band, what I foreseed or believed was stretching the IT band. And uh, 
some people benefit from it. Some people love the foam rolling. Some people hate it. I told them to, you know, keep doing it. It's good for them. I know it's not the most comfortable thing in the world, but kept telling them to do it. Maybe some clients got better uh, just for some stimulus in the area um, or natural healing times or those sort of things. But definitely those were probably some longer cases or longer length of stays in physical therapy than probably necessary than it, it is for me now. Uh, what about you, Brandon? Yeah. So to answer your question, I just uh, probably did a lot of the same type of stuff. Uh, I know I did a lot of grasping where you take that bar and you just ground it into the person's soft tissue, uh, causing a lot of pain and torture uh, to our, our patients. Uh, Definitely, when I was needling, I think I would needle the IT band too, thinking I was going to kind of create some fascial separation. Uh, again, when I had a very big soft tissue uh, approach, again, a lot of stretching, uh, as you did. And then I did a lot of like knee strengthening and stuff too. I, there, I think there was some core strengthening, pelvic strengthening, but not the way uh, I treat it now. And, and like you, I, some of those planet cares were well, a little longer than they should have been. Uh, because of probably the, the ineffectiveness uh, of the treatment. And then, you know, with some time comes, uh, and obviously some training came some more effective treatments. But uh, I, I kind of want to talk about that, the OBRS test to start off with. What, what are your thoughts on the OBRS test? And it's linked to TFL. Yeah. Um, or not, not the TFL. Well, TFL and IT. Uh, yeah. yeah. This is two modifications to it. I think as a test, I probably did on Everyone who is lower body, probably know my ass. I probably did it on people with neck pain for the hell of it. But um, I um, I can't say I do that test anymore at all. Um, my students still still do it. They'll they'll come in and then they'll I I don't knock them for doing it. I'm like oh yeah, what does that really tell you? Um, and now that I, I see them not doing it so much either. But if it was if it was like again then you know, it wasn't beyond parallel or, um, or anything like that. It was just kind of sitting up there. I was like, okay, that's enough for, you know, I, it band tightness. And it was time to, to go at it and start stretching it. Um, and now, you know, a lot of it is, you know, you're just compressing like the, the, the bursts up in that sack up over there. If you're kind of pushing down into that stretch, but yeah, I personally don't utilize it anymore. Um, I don't know about you, Brandon. What what do you do? Yeah, I have not utilized that probably in about five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get the correlation. Well, I do get it, but uh, it's kind of what it's taught in school. Um, T- tight TFL equals tight IT band. Uh, TFL is what's going to pull on IT band. But if that was the case, everybody with a tight Oberst test would have T- um, would have IT band syndrome, and that's not the case. So yep. for some of the, the clinicians that are still out there doing it, and, you know, may, maybe it's nice for insurance purposes and you're objectifying it, but go through all your patients and just test that the, the OBRS test and see if it's positive. Uh, and, you know, you're going to find some tight uh, or positive OBRS tests and no correlation to IT band syndrome. So, you know, when, once you start kind of seeing the, the forest through the trees there and see the applicability to some of these special tests, You'll, you'll see that there's really no true or strong correlation uh, with a lot of the special tests, and in, in particular on this one, the, the Oberst test, um, mm. because, you know, you have, you have your glute med, 
that also ties into that uh, IT band. And that's not usually a muscle that's tight, especially in this one. No, I, I don't think I've so, really found a tight glute meat. And, and then all of a sudden that, that test, like, oh, it's positive. All right, now it's time to, to make that treatment. And me personally, I used to, God, I used to leave people hanging in that Oberst test. I used to like, you know, maybe prop a pillow under them and just leave their leg hanging in that position for minutes. I think we yeah. used to have like timers in the clinic. I'd just leave them like that. Like this is something that needs a long time to stretch. So I just yeah. leave them for five minutes. And then upon, you know, training and those sort of things is uh, cook and purdom that kind of figure this out. Like you put them in that cross, that adduction stretch, it leads to that compression of the gluteal bursa and tendons over the greater trochanter. So someone's irritated in that area. Um, you're just really going to irritate them essentially more. And that's what a lot of times is they'll say, you may hear it's like, oh, it's a hurts so good stretch or it hurts, but it's hitting that area, but it's not really helping me at yeah. all. Um, yeah. And I was definitely, I definitely did that all the time. Like, well, that's, that's good enough. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's in the it's area doing something. Yeah. So um, yeah, just believe what I have to say and keep doing it. And those people, again, wouldn't get back or maybe, you know, they'd have to, you know, ultimately I'd be like, Oh, you need to you know, reduce your activity or not do that. And maybe that's what's really kind of subsided things, but they were your frequent flyers. Cause they're like, oh, okay. I need to come back and get foam rolled and, you know, grassed mm-hmm. and beat up. And we weren't really ever solving the things, solving what was really going on at all. Um, and that's not really helpful to, to the yeah. healthcare society, the client, you know, keeping people active at all. Yeah. That's um, another one. They used to have people foam roll from, you know, half an hour on their IT band. It's just like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, when, when, when's that therapeutic threshold? Uh, enough and when how long should you do something before you realize it really has no true applicability and if you're sending your patients home as a home exercise program to do it you're probably you know wasting a little bit of their time uh i couldn't tell you the last time i actually touched an it band for it band syndrome yeah um occasionally i'll do like a general needing to the whole thing just more kind of that oh i'm definitely like addressing the area that you have some issues but mm-hmm. won't spend more than a couple minutes on it um and same thing like those sort of things like foam rolling those sort of things if you look up online like you know to it band syndrome that's the first thing you'll find is people foam rolling it and yep. anyone can do that on their own and anyone can figure out that that eventually doesn't work for them so why are we like continuing to do it when people are in therapy because most of the times i remember it's like Oh yeah, I tried foam rolling it, and then I'd evaluate them like, yeah, let's foam roll some more, I guess. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, let's be, let's let's be a little bit more skilled. Let's actually show, you know, clients that we actually know what we're doing. So, Brandon, what are what are your strategies? Or let's start off with the now the updated, more intelligent, evaluative components, and then we'll tie into what we're doing, you know, treatment wise and how we're actually fixing these clients. You know, the most notorious clients for this are runners, I think, unless someone mm-hmm. else says anything else um, and actually making them being able to continue to run and not again, becoming those classic 
you know, frequent flyers or, yeah. you know, return patients. Yeah, so runners or, or running sports like soccer players and things like that, basketball maybe, uh, dancers, I, I see it a lot. The big – well, runners are allergic to anything with weight training. Uh, they tend to uh, – this is a whole, whole generalizing here. But uh, they tend to – they think the answer is just to run more uh, and take a step back. But, you know, a lot of what I do is kind of what we've always kind of talked about throughout a podcast. Uh, a lot of test retest, but I'm focusing on the hips, mm-hmm. uh, the pelvis, and the lumbar spine. In uh, at least my exam, I'm not going to go and say I, I'm treating all those all the time because uh, that may not be it. But I'm examining the lumbar spine. I'm examining their pelvic control, their glute med and glute mac weakness, um, and see if they, ha- uh, you know, see the the strength and the endurance there. Testing out hamstrings, seeing if they could load their hamstrings properly with like a, maybe an RDL. I like the single leg RDL. I mm. find that gives me a ton of information. Uh, for lower extremity injuries in general, but especially this one because I get to see uh, their pelvic control, if there's femoral internal rotation, if there's valgus, if there's pronation, extra supination, if they lose their balance, if they lose pelvic control in the transverse plane, uh, as well as the, the frontal. I mean, you get a whole lot of information from that. And I'll even have them go kind of like in a running form where they have to kind of uh, go into that RDL and increase hip flexion then come out of hip flexion and you you just, you have them do that two or three times and you could pick up a whole lot from there. Um, so I saw, uh, I'll leave it off with that and then, uh, we'll try and we'll circle back to it. But what do you do, Jer? Uh, yeah, I'm the same way. Um, where I'm looking at, you know, lumbar spine, you know, pelvis, hips, knees and ankles. Again, yep. just some, some ankles, things yeah. talking about like what we've previously talked about, like the patellofemoral pain syndrome and, excessive pronation, those sort of things. Um, so I definitely look at all those areas. As you are kind of saying, the single RDL is a big test for you. I'm a huge fan of that. But the lateral step-down test yep. um, is, is one, and that one can be somewhat objectively measured with how many errors. Um, I can't recall. Uh, I'll, give me a minute. I'll, while you talk there, Brandon, I can recall the, um, the study for that where you can see how many errors that yeah, they yeah, have. So you, you want me to look that one up? Or you, yeah, sorry. and I'll talk, I'll talk about it. Um, so it can qual- uh, quantify how many errors they have based on if they have a hip drop, there's their knees going to valgus, do they go excessive pronation, do they, does their trunk sway the other way, uh, do they lose balance, and you tally up all these errors. And I think anything more than three or four errors, that's pretty bad. Uh, my athletes, I want them to, especially with something as simple as like a four-inch, you know, lateral step down. I want them to be able to do it without any of those errors um, yep. after they're done. If they're like the CrossFit um, or higher, higher level individuals, um, you know, taking that the next step and they're like, well, they do pistols, so pistol squats, or essentially is a single leg squat. Um, and I'll look at that and say, see for the same sort of patterns. Uh, the single leg bridge test, which I think the, uh, I, th- I think that came I, more to me after that TPI course that me and you went to there, Brandon, yeah. um, really seeing, you know, with the single leg bridge after about 15 seconds, where are they utilizing or what muscles are they utilizing? And especially for these IT band individuals, they all feel like on the outside in that TFL IT band area versus feeling in their glutes. Um, or a lot of these individuals also have, uh, 
you know, core, um, concomitant other kind of problems and they'll have low back pain. A lot of them, if, uh, if you look at them, mm-hmm. uh, they'll say, I'll feel it in my back. So it shows that they're not utilizing the proper musculatures or they get that classic hamstring cramp. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's pretty much like where I go with that. Um, Def, as, as we mentioned before, no Obers really, I put a lot, a lot of weight into a true hip abduction test. Um, are they really able to keep it neutral, you know, shoulders, hips, knee, ankle, all aligned and then be able to resist or are they showing that compensations? And then on top of that, I'm also palpating in the glute med area and asking the client, where do you feel your muscles working during this? Because I've had some people five out of five per se, according to the MMT things that they, they couldn't break my resistance but they already dipped into hip flexion or they feel in their quads or they'll feel it in their back and those sort of things. So it's amazing what the body can do to compensate for some weaknesses, um, yeah. especially those super elite runners. They're strong, but they're not strong in the right areas. And then you, you tweak things and all of a sudden, you know, pry it all, you know, get the test right. And they, they can't hold up against like two fingers or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, did you uh, find that test or? Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll also look at – I mean, you have them roll over and lift up the leg. They already – you'll see a most most people tend to grab for the table. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're not allowed to hold on when I do it. They can't hold yep. their breath. A lot of them will hold their breath and create that Valsalva stability. I've, I have them exhale when I go to push too. Good. Um, you know, so – and then I'll also do an endurance test where I'll like – I'll push on the leg kind of like a pump and see when that kind of leg teeters out. That's mm-hmm. a good idea for endurance, uh, especially some of these runners. They don't get, you know, fatigue maybe until mile five or eight or ten or something, and they complain of the IT band kicking in around then, usually not within that first mile. So that's something to consider too. And if I hear that, I'm probably thinking more muscular control, muscular endurance, muscle strength. Mm-hmm. Um, then if that it's more acute, you know, I'm probably looking at, you know, hip, range of motion hip accessory knee or tibial extension or adduction and rotation or, or something like that or adduction and extension i'll look at as well mm-hmm. yeah and i mentioned before like that hip internal external rotation i'll measure uh, especially with um strength testing is generally and i'm very trying to be on i tell myself you know be unbiased as i can i always try and almost not try and find out which leg it is at times but like the same thing correlates is they, they can't hold up. And usually I do that in the first uh, two minutes of my, my objective exam. And the client already knows that, you know, that they're weak in those areas. Like I'll do it. And all of a sudden they can't hold it at all. And they think it's a knee thing. Cause it's, you know, I'm pushing at their ankle and they, they can't handle anything. So, um, those are some different, some things. I think there's also in regards to what you're talking about, some, the endurance components, there is a, there is a hip abductor endurance test. It's essentially like a side plank and how long they can hold it. I've done that a couple of times mm-hmm. and really first to see if they're actually feeling in the hip abductors at all. Um, most people don't with a standard side plank. Um, yeah. There's also the, the hip extensor um, endurance exam. And that's again, pretty critical for those especially long uh endurance athletes so yeah you nailed the nail, nail on the head there brandon um 
but yeah, I guess we're going from a, a now getting some good pearls of wisdom with evaluation. If you have anything else, you know, throw it in there, Brandon. But um, what about um, going into towards towards the treatment? Yeah. So obviously, depending a lot of it depends on my findings. So it's gonna it's gonna be hard, but to to address everything. But I would say a lot of it definitely, you know, looking at that that pelvis and hip and a lumbar spine and doing manual therapy. Uh, and by manual therapy, I mean joint-based manual therapy, mm-hmm. uh, especially to the hips or to the knees. Uh, but beyond that, when we're talking about interventions and building them up, I mean, I, I usually start from the ground floor and try and build that foundation. And that foundation for me is building up some glute strength and some core strength and, um, you know, some, some balance, uh, whether it's starting with double leg or, or single leg. Uh, so a lot of bridges, hip thrusters, uh, as you mentioned, the single leg bridges, um, some planks, side planks, bird dogs, wh- whatever your your variation of core exercises is for, for something like that. But I start on the ground level and then I'll progress to more of the functional things like the step up, step downs. Uh, you, I mentioned earlier, I love my, my RDLs and my single leg RDLs. Mm-hmm. But I think for runners, especially a lunge, I, I think a lunge um, – translates to running exactly uh you're in you're in a split stance position obviously running you, you have periods of flight but if, if somebody can't do a lunge and if you see them pronating you know dropping into valgus from rolling turn rotating or, or dropping into Chandrellenberg or having some trunk sway with a lunge you can probably or you can pretty much just you know paint that picture of what they look like when they're running when you're adding forces and, you know, adding percentages of body weight, I think running is like eight times your body weight. Your body has to endure how, how that's going to manifest into some, some injuries if they're having trouble doing a lunge. Yeah. I'm huge into to lunges with the runners and uh, like practicing some runner step ups as well. Um, really just working on those controls of, of things and, I'll do, again, a lot of things with videos and those sort of things just to kind of show them um, where their faults are at, you know, day one and then a couple couple sessions in, you know, make sure that they're feeling it in the right areas. They're not, you know, caving in at the knees. I'll try and do – I don't go as crazy as I did with gait analysis um, as, I, as I used to, but sometimes you do kind of see some things, some – knock knees and those sort of things especially if it's dynamic in nature not you know static um but kind of show them again just to show them that you're looking at everything you need to but couldn't believe couldn't agree more with the starting from the ground up just to i think who was it there at the tpi course is like the glutes are the king the uh Cores yeah, queen. So J- Jason, yeah, yeah. Uh, king of the golf swing i think jason well, glass the whole thing but jason glass yeah yeah um so, you know, I, I agree with that. And, you know, I try, I, I view every client individually, but there's certain trends with, with conditions and, you know, definitely some gluten core weaknesses are, are very apparent in this, in this group. So um, I believe there's a, there's a good study. Uh, I'm looking it up right now of the uh, best EMG studies for both the glute mead and the glute max, I think is in the, uh, BJSM. Uh, I'll put that up in a second. And uh, yeah, I'll start utilizing those, but knowing that everyone's unique and you'd be amazed 
I've had a lot of extremely high level runners, like, you know, best of their division classes, uh, some former runners who are, you know, four minute mile runners. And they, you know, the things that are according to those EMG studies should elicit the most maximum volitional uh, control or contraction. I mean, and they don't at all. And it's amazing where you have to go breaking it all the way down to the very, very basics of like, listen, I have to start off with like glute sets uh, just to get something going before I start, you know, tie into those single leg bridges or anything like that, or how much one side will compensate for the other. Uh, almost to the point where I've done, I've had some individuals where I've had to do some neuromuscular electrical stim just to, on the glutes just to get them going and tell the point where they're like, wow, actually it's the first time I've been like muscularly sore in that area for as long as I can remember. Almost yeah. to a point where I'm like, do I need a bio, bio, biofeedback device to, to help these individuals out? Um, it's pretty impressive how far and how many races and these sort of things mm -hmm. or exercises or events or, or tournaments, such and so forth that athletes or people can do not really utilizing the the right musculature. So those are just some things that I do really for those, especially for those trickier clients. Yeah, you're 100% right. Uh, those glutes tend to not work at all, and it shows you how much hamstring that they're using. Uh, and those those runners tend to be really, really stiff and tight. Uh, if you just think about you know the ways we're able to move as humans, we can move in all three planes, uh, in all three planes at once. And, and kind of like a try, try planer, try planer way. And running is basically all sagittal. Uh, unless you get some weird conversations where people kind of start to waddle or, or lean laterally, and then you're getting a little bit of frontal. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, and if you look at the glute, and you look at the way the fibers are of the glute med and glute max, and they're meant to operate in a tri planer manner. Um, so, you know, don't underestimate, you know, things like that and, and starting at the bottom just because it can run doesn't mean that you can automatically start with higher level exercises. Um, yeah. but beyond that, progressing to high level exercises while, while we're on that, um, progressing when they're ready, of course, uh, to plyometrics. I mean, running is a plyometric activity. You know, mm -hmm. They have to propel themselves in the air and forward. So I think that's definitely something that needs to be to be corrected and emphasized in somewhere along the spectrum in the rehabilitation uh, program. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think, again, a lot of us get kind of stuck, um, you know, sticking to table-based exercises. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think in the initial stages, I think the best way to really truly isolate things is to spend the time working on the table, really making sure they fire. But we really need to get them, get them going with like plyometrics. And then if I have the opportunity to, is like really show them the value of strength training, like start teaching them like weighted squats, uh, weighted like lunges, uh, deadlifting and those sort of things. Cause that's what they need. Uh, you know, especially in that, those runner populations, if you can give them a little taste of that and see how they feel. And I'm like, listen, you're trying to get, you know, PRs every time you do your uh, half marathon. If you just add a little bit of, you know, strength training, these plyometric type drills, uh, you're probably going to get that PR that you've been trying to shoot for for the last six months to a year. 
there's all the uh, exercise physiology research supporting that strength training will lead to improvement in endurance, but endurance does not in strength training. So give them that, that maybe that's like your olive branch to kind of get into the, into the weights, but then, then taking it from them it, it is something you have to do gracefully. Uh, speaking of which is, I don't know about you, Brandon. I, I mean, most runners, most I'd say probably 90% of the runners with IT band syndrome that I have, they are the wake up, go run, come back. And they literally just slept for 68 hours. They're everywhere in their running stuff and they go. Uh, so yeah, they trying sleep to, in their running stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's hell, I used yeah. to do it. Um, I definitely used to do it for sure. Um, back when I used to have a place by the water, I was like, oh, that's great. I'll just go run. Um, thankfully, nothing happened to me and probably wasn't running long enough, um, both distance and per times per week. Uh, and I still like working out here at the gym and stuff, but trying to negotiate a good warm up of some of these muscles prior to. I don't know how your success is with that there, Brandon, but like, I'll try and be like, all right, listen, we fixed this. You now had this IT band syndrome thing that's been on and off for you for the, your 10 year running career. And I think we have a good handle on it. Trying to negotiate that, that, um, that warm up prior to is always a fun, fun, fun task. I don't know if you've had some successes with it, but I'll pass it off yeah. to you before. Yeah. Come uh, agree with you 100%. We actually held a uh, a running event here for a local running group uh, on Wednesday. And uh, the first thing we did was we brought him to a dynamic warm-up. Uh, our strength and conditioning coach, Anton, here led him through probably about a 10 or 15-minute warm-up, bringing him through uh, different motions and different planes of motion, talking about uh, you know multiple planes in that triplanar. And a lot of them just couldn't do it. And then we had to modify some stuff, which is fine, but it just shows how their bodies are so used to one movement pattern that they couldn't get in a simple half kneeling position and hold it for more than five seconds before they started trembling. So, uh, you know, a lot of them realized that and were able to kind of schedule some and and bring them on board to help them get to their their goals. But after that dynamic warm up, we had then sent them out to uh, almost it was actually about a four mile run that we mapped out for them. And uh, some of them definitely noticed that difference immediately. So that was great to be able to do that and then have some of them awesome. notice that. So uh, That's awesome to show, the, show it to them right there and then. Um, I just wanted to kind of um, report the, the study that I was mentioning. It's the electromyograph analysis of gluteus medius and gluteus maximus during rehabilitation exercise by Boren et al., um, it was done in 2011 in the International Journal of Sports Physical Therapy. So it's a pretty good article. It kind of can give you some things that will just show you the MVIC of each, uh, just some basic exercises, um, some plyometrics with hopping and those sort of things, but starts off with your basic like abduction, clamshells, and your single leg squat and uh, deadlift. Um, so good article. If you just don't have anything, if you're really just stuck on, you were just previously mashing and smashing it bands and stretching them. Um, these, this may be a good kind of framework to kind of get you started on some exercises and then just kind of evolve from there. 
yeah, I think um, that pretty much covers it on my end. Is there anything else you want, you want to add for uh, for IT band? No, I think uh, I think I think we hit the the main points there. Um, hopefully, we can get some discussions uh, from some people, uh, some other experiences, uh, maybe some running therapists as well. I know I treat a lot of runners, but there's also um, some a lot of running therapists out there. So. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, want to add anything in, or well, give actually, us... I, I just oh. got one. Uh, sorry, Jay, I got one Go other thing here. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on orthotics? Uh, I, I've gotten you know patients are like, oh, I have IT band syndrome because I need new orthotics, or my foot is this and that. Um, what's, yeah. Yeah. What's your opinion on that? What's the research saying that? Has your opinion evolved on orthotics uh, over the past five six years? Uh Definitely. Overall, you know, with orthotics, I, I it was something I, I wouldn't say I prescribed a lot, um, but it was more prone to it when things weren't going my way. I was like, oh, you need orthotics. Um, for IT band syndrome and those sort of things, um, now I can't say I prescribed it too much. I was more kind of going back to our patellofemoral pain um, that we discussed the last podcast. Yeah, there's been times where I was like, yeah, you may benefit from that. Um, if it's a pretty profound, you know, you know, pes planus or foot collapse, maybe. Uh, but if you look at the number one marathon runner in the world, he's he's pretty awful, um, you know, foot collapsing, arch collapsing, those sort of things. So I haven't had the need to, I think, with most cases, you know, just with some good strengthening education, um, and, you know, modifying their activities to add some strengthening and, and plyos there. I haven't had to need to uh, employ it. What about you, Brandon? Yeah, I'm, I'm usually not too huge on them. I will try and see how, how far I can get with uh, manual therapy, loosening up the foot joints, letting them uh, access the a proper available range of motion there or, or arthrokinematics within the foot and ankle uh, and build up some some foot strength you know the posterior tib mm. first and see how far i can get with that along obviously with some regional um interdependent strengthening hip strengthening core strengthening things like that but uh, i have definitely softened my stance a little bit as there is some evidence uh for so- shock attenuation uh and, and kind of maybe helping some some of those foot kinematics with it but my first go-to is is let's see what we can do with just correcting some of the other stuff first uh as like you said that number one marathoner has flat feet and and runs so he's either a adapted or or Mm. b that's you know he's naturally has flat feet so if somebody has naturally has flat feet they've always had that there's no need to try and now create an arch and i think that's a big common misconception uh that goes beyond just it band syndrome um we'll probably say that for another podcast but yeah i I agree with you no, definitely. No, it's a good, good pearl uh, right there. And especially with all the things going into um, types of footwear and those sort of things. And that's probably should be saved for like another podcast of, you know, types of footwear. We got now minimalistic runner shoes. You got very old, like the Hoka's where it's like ultra padded. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I don't know how people wear the Hoka's in all honesty, those things. They look, it was like bell bottoms. Or yeah, they look like those sketches that were. Uh, remember those sketches that uh, 
that had a, that century rocker bottom. Oh, the rocker bottoms, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so you got two very opposite ends of the spectrum and those sort of things. And in my experience, a lot of those runners have had this kind of issues, especially you know frequent or reoccurring IT band stuff. They've gone through at least most of the gamut of testing different footwares, potentially some orthotics and those sort of things. So that's when I'm like, listen, this is the missing piece. Uh, well, we can go back and dive into those orthotics and those sort of things or different footwares. But listen, what have you not done? Well, I haven't you know, done anything strengthening. I've just ran and stretched. So um, that's, that's kind of how I approach with things. And yeah, we can definitely have another podcast on different types of footwear and athletes and such and so forth. But um yeah, if we don't have anything else, um, I guess we'll kind of wrap yeah, things we'll, up. We'll leave it at that. But, uh, yeah, feel free to, uh, you know, reach out to us. We're always here to help or chat about things. I always get, you know, appreciate some good recommendations on our SIPs. Um, we're at Manips and SIPs. Uh, Brandon's at Think Like a Fellow and at Pursue PT Now. I'm at uh, The Decent Doctor and at Trifecta Therapeutics. Hope uh, Hopefully – gain some things from this um and uh here's to uh, cheers to another episode cheers guys